Jesus appears to the disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. Is it I myself? Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you and what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. How are you? I'm Tim. I work on the staff team here. And um, doesn't the church look lovely? Uh, yeah, that's the only acceptable answer to that question, uh, given how much hard work the staff team all put on putting things up. It's lovely. Um, it turns out, though, that putting up Christmas decorations, um, there are some hazards involved. One was trying to get the lights to go to the very top of the tree. I'm quite proud of my handiwork there, but it did require sort of leaning on a ladder that was a bit too far out. Um, and then also, the staff team all get together on a Wednesday morning, and we have to put some Christmas music on, and we wear Christmas jumpers, although I, I didn't wear mine because I've lost it, which is a real shame. Oh, no. Um, Felix, one of our new curates, he got an electric shock whilst trying to um, test some lights. Now, don't worry, he's absolutely fine. He's, don't worry, he's quite all right. But it did liven up the morning for us. Um, that's certainly the case. And um, I've always wondered, I wonder if being with Jesus was a bit like possibly being around, you know, a live wire that was just, would touch you if you shocked it. You ever thought that about being with Jesus? Miracles happening left, right, and center, people being raised from the dead, people being healed, eyes being opened, you know, the lame walking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you, have you ever tested a, a, like a, a wire maybe around a field, you know, when they have those wires to keep livestock in? Have you ever tested it to see if it was on? Guess what happened to me the last time I tested a wire to see if it was on? I got a shock. Who knew? Well, I wonder if being with Jesus was a bit like that. You know, shocking, because this passage, this moment today is certainly like that. It is a shocking moment for the disciples because the, the thing that they least expected happens. Let's just read verse 36 uh, to 39 again. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, this passage is set after the very public events of Jesus's sentencing and execution on a cross you know, the disciples have just seen him flogged and crucified. You know, they, in other words, dying in the most public way possible. But they've just been hearing reports that something might have happened. That's what Luke means when he says, while they were still talking about this. This being these reports that maybe some people have seen Jesus. I wonder how that conversation went. Have you heard what they said? That can't, that can't be Jesus. No way. Did you hear about the Emmaus Road? There were two people walking and they said they saw Jesus. Surely that can't be true. When just at that moment, look at this, verse 37. Jesus himself stood among them 
and says, they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost, but there is Jesus. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. In that very moment, they're talking about, could Jesus possibly be back from the dead? And he is, there he is among them. And they're startled and frightened. They're uh, thinking they've seen a ghost. They're troubled. There's doubt going on. It's like they can't even believe what they can see with their own eyes. And even if they think it's true, well, it's certainly a scary fact. Because here is a man that they have seen die, suddenly standing among them. But Jesus reassures them. He says, it's me, boys, and you know me. Look at my hands and my feet. And he shows them his wounds. I don't know if Jesus was wearing sandals or if he had bare feet. I don't know. It doesn't say but evidently they could see his feet. Then it continues, verse 41. And while they they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, notice there's the disbelief that comes from sort of shock, but then there's this disbelief that comes because of, oh my goodness, could this possibly be Jesus? Um, It just says, Jesus asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Which is also one of my favorite questions to ask. Do you have anything here to eat? Jesus asked them. And it says, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Now we've been going through the Gospel of Luke looking at these meals with Jesus because in Luke's telling of uh, the story of Jesus the Messiah, Luke was a doctor by the way, he wrote a Gospel, there are three others which have already been mentioned this morning. In his account of it, he especially picks up on the meals that Jesus was either coming from, going to or at. And we've been looking at these meals where Jesus is eating with people and what they tell us about his character and his ministry and his identity. And this meal today where Jesus asks some food, I love asking that question, and then receives some food, which I especially love doing, it tells us about him. It has something very clear to reveal about him. And it's this, that Jesus is alive. This taking this food told his disciples and tells us that he has been resurrected from the dead. He says, he tells them, look, it's me. See, look, it's me. It is I myself, he says. And he shows them his hands and his feet. But also, he does a thing with them that they'll have done many, many times together over three years. He ate some food. Because, of course, dead men don't eat fish, do they? I mean, they don't eat anything, but they certainly don't eat fish. But Jesus was there standing with them, do you have food? Let me eat. Look, I'm not a spirit. I'm not a figment of your imagination. It is I myself as I stand before you. Now, on Thursday evening, uh, the HCC worship team, thank you to the worship team this morning for the great worship we've been led in. But um, we got together for our annual Christmas party and it's great fun. I had my first roast dinner of the year. It was delicious. And, you know, we got to enjoy the twinkly lights around us. And then my favorite part of the evening came when we have our carol writing competition. And this happens every year. And we're given various scenarios by Rory, and we're told to write a carol. So we were given this scenario, it was called Carol of the Cowbells, and we had to write a carol from the perspective of a cow at the nativity. And of course, we wrote something very deep and profound and not at all silly and possibly heretical. Because there we were, we took the tune of Once in Royal David City. Do you know that one? Once in Royal David City, and then we said, stood my lowly cattle shed where I was minding my own business. I'd brushed my teeth, got ready for bed, and sort of on it went. Very clever, very clever, deep lyrics. Um, but it got me thinking, have you ever thought about the details of the stories that we read 
uh, in the accounts of Jesus' life. Has it ever occurred to you? I'm sure it has, but maybe we can be reminded today just about the sort of human reality of it. Yes, God is there and God is among them, but it, it has such sort of detail and rich. It would have been, you know, imagine Jesus being with us today and the kind of things that would happen. And Here is Jesus with his disciples. I wonder what conversations they were having because they were real men with real hopes and fears. They were real people. And Jesus was a real man, but yet he was the son of God. And it's in these details that come out, and especially in this detail of Jesus returning from the dead, that we find uh, the basis of our faith. You see, Luke based his gospel account on eyewitness testimonies. If you read the start of Luke's gospel, he said, I've considered all the evidence essentially. I've asked all the eyewitnesses. Of course, he's got his own story, but he'd been speaking to people who were there actually with Jesus. And he says, I've tried to write an orderly account of this that happened. Do you notice that these disciples, these real men, they saw Jesus with their own eyes. They saw Jesus with their own eyes. And this means, of course, that the resurrection, Jesus returning from the dead, isn't just a good idea. It's not just something that we can, it's not a metaphor, but it's a real historical event. It's a real historical event. And I think that's important for us to remember because there's something wonderful, isn't there, that we can have a very personal and if you like, private faith. We can have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. You can know your Heavenly Father. Just as he knows you, you can know him. And you can talk to him as you pray. And you can know him talking to you too. You know, remember Jesus said, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen in the secret place. We can have this personal and private relationship with God. But the details of the resurrection, the truth of it, the wonder of it, is that our faith doesn't just have to be confined to the personal and to the private, but to the public. It can shape our whole life, just as it, and it can shape all our lives here, and it can shape the whole earth. The resurrection changes everything. Now, I've got some peas to give us, as in, you'll see what I mean, about the resurrection to help us understand this. So, the resurrection isn't just personal and private, but it was promised prophetically. I just want to apologize, preachers are the worst, aren't they? So it wasn't just personal and private, but it was promised prophetically. Just look at verse 34. You can read in your Bible, or it will be up on the screen. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Notice me coming back, it shouldn't be a surprise to you. I've already told you that this was going to happen. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then it says, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. In other words, he opened their minds so that they could understand all the ways that the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, the Messiah. Verse 46, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Even at this point, I take great courage from this. The disciples need to be told again and again what's going, going on. And I think I need to be told that as well. Even at this stage, they've known Jesus for three years, but he still has to tell them, look, I've already told you this is what's going to happen. This has been prophesied and promised long ago. All the scriptures, they point to me. Jesus would rebuke um, religious leaders of the day, the people who would study the Bible the most. And he said to them, you basically spend all your time studying the scriptures, thinking them, that in them you'll find life. 
and you fail to see that all the scriptures, they point to me. They're all about me. Because me and my ministry and even my resurrection and then the ministry of my followers has been promised prophetically. The Bible is so trustworthy. Let me encourage you with that today. The Bible is so trustworthy. And one of the ways we know it is trustworthy is because of all the prophecies about Jesus that he fulfilled. Um, there, I think there are over 800 of them. But here coming up on screen, here's just a list of 17 prophecies about Jesus. Let me just pick out a few of them. Number one, that he'd be born in Bethlehem. That's from Micah. Number three, that he'd, be, he'd enter Jerusalem on a donkey. David even prophesied the exact day when Jesus would enter Jerusalem. That's from Zechariah. His hands and his feet would be pierced. Just think about our passage. Jesus showing the, his pierced hands and feet. That he'd be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The people would gamble for his garments. That's from the Psalms. His side would be pierced. He would be buried in the tomb of a rich man. That's number 16. And from Isaiah. And I don't know how they did this, but someone has done some calculations around just the improbability of Jesus fulfilling just that list of prophecies about himself, although he fulfilled hundreds and hundreds. And someone has calculated the uh, odds of Jesus fulfilling those prophecies as um, one chance in 480 billion, billion, trillion. Okay, so that's, for those the sharp among you, that's the number 480 followed by 30 zeros. So the chance of Jesus fulfilling all these things is so improbable, and yet he did. And these things were written about him, and they were fulfilled in his life. And I think this is encouraging, because it means that our faith isn't just on the, based on the sort of personal and private experiences that we've had, but what has been seen by others, and what has been prophesied by others, and was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Bible is so, so trustworthy, and it is the word of God. Okay, so the resurrection has been promised prophetically, but also the resurrection has been preached in power. Sorry for the peas, but I hope you get that. Promised prophetically, but also it's been preached in power. Look at verse 48. Jesus says of his disciples, you are witnesses of these things, these things that were prophesied that are now being fulfilled in me. You've seen them. And then he says, verse 49, I'm gonna send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And here Jesus is referring to the day of Pentecost that was to come, as you'll, I'm sure you remember from Acts 2. And this is important because Jesus has said, repentance is going to be preached in my name. And the implication is, right, that's you, lads. This is what you're going to do. This is what was written about. This is what you're going to do. But I don't leave you alone as you do that. You are going to be clothed with power on the, from the Holy Spirit. You are gonna receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to preach my name with power and to even do the very things that I've been doing. So if you like, the, the resurrection has been backed up, it's been attested, it has been demonstrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in the ministry of those disciples and continues to be at work. And I think the evidence of that would be, just think about it, here we are today, sat in Clapham, on a rainy-ish November day in 2022. And yet we're sat here because those first disciples saw Jesus with their own eyes and then began to spread the message in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know the odds on the improbability of that. But that to me is just the evidence that the, power, the Spirit has been powerfully at work. Be encouraged today that the Spirit is at work in you. God has been speaking to you. God has spoken to you. And God wants to use you just as he used these disciples. 
so that his good news might be preached in power. Okay, so not only our faith isn't just personal and private, but it's been promised prophetically, it's been preached in power, and finally it's been publicly proven. Publicly proven. What do I mean by that? Publicly proven. Well, let's read verse 39. Jesus said, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. The resurrection of Jesus, as I've already said, isn't just a good idea. And it's not just a metaphor, something about saying, you know, we can, we can all rise from the ashes. It's something that really happened in human history. Jesus calls his disciples witnesses in verse 48. He says, you are witnesses of these things. And what do witnesses do? They testify. What does a witness do in a courtroom? They testify. And the disciples, when they share the good news of Jesus, they aren't saying, hey, here's a philosophy for you to follow. Here's some rules for your life. No, they're saying the one that you saw is back. Jesus Christ, who you killed, has been resurrected from the dead. I mean, just think about the way that Jesus died. He died in such a public manner. His sentencing, his execution, that happened in such a public way. Jesus, the one whose name was known all around the countryside, the one whom the Romans weren't sure what to do with, the one whom the religious leaders of the day were fearful of and they thought he was a blasphemer. He's brought before crowds. Remember the story about Barabbas and the exchanging of a sinless man for a sinful man. If you ever want a picture of the gospel, there it is. Jesus could not have died in a more public manner. Even just think about a crucifixion. A crucifixion happened outside Jerusalem and it was meant to be a sign. It wasn't just a painful way to die. You die through crucifixion, through being suffocated just by your own body weight. It's so cruel. But also it was designed to be shameful as in if you cross the Roman Empire, this is what you will receive. This is what traitors get. And Jesus was mocked in that moment just as it was prophesied that he would be. And yet the public nature of this crucifixion that everyone could see and hear about also happened with his resurrection. The public nature of his resurrection happened. Who did Jesus speak to on that first Easter Sunday? It was those women. They saw him who came to tend to his body, but they found that the grave was empty. We know elsewhere from the Gospels that over 500 people saw him at one time. And there are other accounts. But here is Jesus speaking to his disciples, appearing before them as the risen Lord. The one who had been wounded, but the one who was risen. And what does he do to prove that he's alive? He has a meal. He eats fish, just as he would have done with his disciples many times. The resurrection has, was promised prophetically. It's been preached in power, and it was publicly proven by eyewitness testimony, which is what we read as we read our passage today. Now, if we want to shorten those things, we could just say promised preached and proven why don't you turn to your neighbor and say promised preached and proven turn to your neighbor promised preached proven promised preached and proven now as you go from here you might find promised preached and proven helpful you that might help you remember it but here's what I want you to get as we read this account what it's showing us is that this is real this is real Jesus really rose from the dead he re it really happened 
It was promised long ago. It's been testified in the power of the Holy Spirit since. And it was publicly proven with people who saw it with their very own eyes. And today, just as Jesus stood before his disciples and said, look, it's me, just look at my wounds. Here are my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Look, let me, where's some food? Let me eat it. It's really me. So Jesus stands before us today and says the same thing. I have really risen from the dead. I really am alive. And the basis of your faith isn't just your, the things that you have experienced, but it's what I've done in human history. In fact, it's the hinge of human history, as somebody once said. The basis of our faith is the word of God, what God has spoken, what he promised would happen, what actually happened, and then what has been testified about since. The basis of our faith is the power of the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes, that gives us wisdom and revelation about who God is, that moves through us. And the basis of our faith are these people who saw that Jesus really had returned. And we can have that same kind of confidence today. And if I were to, um, I won't do this to you, but if I were to, you know, pick one of you out, say, Neil, come up again, you know, what's the basis of your faith? If I were to ask you that question, what would, it, what would your answer be? What's the base of your faith? In other words, what's it rest on? Why do you believe what you believe? But what the resurrection shows us is that it doesn't just all sort of depend on us. I don't know how you are when you've explained your, your faith to other people, but um, obviously with my role as a vicar, you know, I do, will run things like the Alpha Course and so on, and, and I like to talk to people, and I want to share, I like sharing with Uber drivers, I've shared about that before. And I found over the years that one of the things that's really encouraged me personally is the truth that God has appeared to these other people and it's been testified and God has changed the lives of billions of people and he's changed mine, but my faith in God isn't just based on what's happened to me and my sense of closeness to him. Now, I, I believe I've experienced God's presence just as you can too. I believe I've heard God speaking to me just as you can too. We all can as we trust in God. But it's encouraging to me because when I feel like God doesn't feel particularly close to me or if I don't feel like I'm particularly hearing his voice, it doesn't mean it's not true or that he's far from me because my faith doesn't rest on the things that, I have, that have happened to me but it's said it rests on what God has done as he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This fact, this truth, this thing that happened in human history. And Jesus, um, when he stands before his disciples, he addresses something that we too might need to hear about today. You see, Jesus asked in verse 38, why are you troubled? He says, why do doubts rise in your mind? Maybe at the moment or in the past, doubt has had a part to play in your part of what it is to be a Christian. Even as you're believing, maybe. But doubt has had a part to play. Maybe it's over particular questions. Maybe it's questions people have given to you or, or things that have come up for you. There were doubts within the minds of the disciples. There is Jesus, stood before them, and they, they think this cannot be, this can't be real. And maybe you've had the same thought too. But Jesus says to you today, you can trust me. You can trust me. It's really true. It's not too good to be true. It's so good, and it is true. And also, I want to say, as I was preparing this, there might be just a few of us today, um, and you might have personally or be thinking about death. 
There might be a few people here today, just a sense of, of fear around death. And I want to encourage you that Jesus' resurrection can mean your resurrection. You see, Jesus is the one who's defeated death and he says, if you trust in me, I'll get you through death as well. In my Father's house, there's many rooms and I've prepared a place for you as you're trusting in me. And you might have that fear for yourself or it might be for there's someone you know, maybe a family member has died or maybe there's someone you know, maybe they're in hospital at the moment. With Jesus, death is not something to fear because he's defeated it. And he's proved who he was by rising from the dead. We have nothing to fear in death because we know the one who's defeated it. We can have such confidence in who Jesus is. We can have such confidence that it really, he really was the son of God, that we can really know forgiveness for our sins, that we can really know the hope of heaven. And it's with that in mind, if you like, I just want to repeat what Ed said. And I want to ask, who are you going to invite to come to a Christmas service this year? And who are you going to talk to? Who are you talking to? Who are you praying for, for them to come to know Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus said to his disciples, repentance, uh, repentance for sin is going to be preached throughout all nations starting in Jerusalem, but it's going to go through all nations. And Jesus still means that. He means that about Clapham in 2022. So his mission is still there and his commissioning of us, but also the promised power that he had for the disciples, he gave to the disciples, is available to us as well. See, our faith isn't just this personal and private thing, although it can be, and that's a joy. It can be this public thing as God leads us in his power. Jesus says, stay until Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And maybe some of us say, you just need to be reminded that yes, you've been filled with the Spirit so that you can know who God is so that the Spirit can testify to you that you're God's child. But also, there's this power available for you so that you can move and you can share what God's done. Even the miraculous, even the signs that would point to Jesus. And so that you can be moved with compassion beyond what is natural as you serve people. God has power for us. Yes, he has peace for us. Yes, he's got joy, all those personal things we can know, but also we've got his good news and we've also got the power to share it as well. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And the same confidence that we can have, that it's true for us, is the same confidence that we take into the world, if you like, that we take into our relationships, that we take with our family members, with those that we work with, those that we know, our friends and so on. The same confidence that it's really true and it's really real means that it's not just true for us, but it's, the tr it's true for them. Jesus is their saviour and we're inviting people to come and to know him. So who this year, who are you going to invite to Christmas? And then maybe if you just want a really practical way just to bring that kind of thing up, who are you going to ask a question of? Maybe all it starts is, of, oh, what did you think of that message that Jago preached at Carol's by Candlelight. What do you think about this idea that God really loves us and came for us? And maybe just see what they say and then just use that as a chance to share what you believe. Remembering it's not just true for you, but it's the, the truth. Jesus is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. And he was promised prophetically. He's been preached in power ever since and God wants us to, use, to do the same thing. And the resurrection was publicly proven. And it's as we trust in God 
we can know just such confidence in ourselves, and we can know God using us as he moves through us to bring his good news to those around us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Lord God, just thank you so much uh, that we know you and we know your love. Thank you that your wounds mean that we can know forgiveness. Thank you that you've taken our sin upon yourself. Lord, help us not to take a personal friendship with you for granted. Lord, I just pray for anyone here who is experiencing or is considering doubt in some way. I just pray that you would encourage them, strengthen their faith today, Lord. And Lord, we pray that we would be those who share you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we acknowledge we cannot do that sort of thing in our own strength, but we thank you for the strength that you provide to share the good news that Jesus is alive. Amen.